I am so excited to be partnering up with Gorillas again this season. The original sexy grocery delivery app is revolutionizing online shopping. Fresh food delivered to your door in minutes, catering to all your food needs. Operating in nine countries around the world, Gorillas supports small businesses as well as local producers to bring your favorite brands to your door. Run out of wine during the dinner party? Gorillas can sort that. Run out of eggs for your Sunday morning pancakes? Gorillas can also sort that. Don't believe me when I say how great they are? Then download their app and get £10 off your first order when you spend £20. Use the code SEXY10 at checkout and thank me later. Hello and welcome to the Crazy Sexy Food Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Harley-Young. This podcast is all about the love of food and how it plays a part in our lives. I sit down with well-known personalities, food experts, chefs, and people who just love their food to find out all about their life, career, and their favorite tastes along the way. Today, I'm joined by Rosemary Schrager, the British chef and TV presenter. She has been on our screens in every culinary capacity since 2005, where she hosted La Dette to Lady. Since then, she has fronted shows such as Soap Star Superchef, Rosemary Schrager's School for Cooks, and has featured on The Real Marigold Hotel, as well as I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here in 2012. Oh, the questions I have about the latter. Rosemary is an expert in cooking and most importantly in food. This has been detailed in her numerous cookbooks and through her fantastic cookery school. It's a real pleasure to have this wonderful lady on the podcast. Rosemary, welcome to Crazy Sexy Food. Wow, that's great. Except you're wrong about one thing. Oh, gosh. I started I started on Channel 5 many years before Ladette's Ladies. When Channel 5 first started, I actually, it was very funny, I actually was offered to have my own series. So I, I was in America, I was all over, and that's when my castle cook started all those years ago in the castle. So well. before Ladette, but yet it was Ladette's the Ladies. I always used to say, I was the best kept secret. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I apologise for that. My research is obviously a little weaker at the moment, but thank you so much for joining me. It's such a pleasure to have you on. Oh, I have thank been, you for having me. I really have been a huge fan of yours over the years. So how are you, first and foremost? How's life treating you? Well, first of all, do you know, thanks for asking, because I've just had a new hip. I'm a superwoman. I'm, I've, got, I've got a titanium hip, full hip. And I reckon once I've had the other hip done and also the knee, I'm going to be absolutely the bionic woman. I'll be marathoning all over the world. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, I, should, should I say congratulations? <laughs> oh, of course you should. It's brilliant. I tell you what. Best thing. Best thing I've ever had done. Absolutely amazing. I mean, really? to have a new hip, no pain, no nothing. So it's wonderful. Oh, so I'm feeling, well, well, feeling, I'm feeling terribly well. Thank you for asking. 
Well, hopefully I'll see you at the um, at next year's marathon, London Marathon then. <laughs> you look as if you're dressed for the marathon. I know, I do, I do. I, I sort of, I, I'm ready, I'm ready to go out to the gym afterwards. <laughs> you're ready to waiting. Woo! Right. So also you have, you have something else to be very excited about is that you have a new book out, which is aptly called The Last Supper. Now this is, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, this is your first novel. Yes, it is. It's my first, it's my debut novel, and I am very excited about it, and I'm hoping that it will do well, because I really believe in it. It's a, it's a, it's a, here we go, look, I have to do this, look, in front of my face. Ah, there we go, she's bringing it up. Oh, look at it, I love that cover. Do you know, I love love it it too, and it's, it just stands out, it's called The Last Supper. So basically, it's all about the Last Supper. It's when food and murder collide. If you see what I mean. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah, a link. What, there is a link. Embellish upon it. <laughs> there, is, there is a link there. I can embellish upon it. I want to know, first of all, what it was like embarking on it, but also how it felt writing a murder mystery as opposed, you know, to your usual cookery books and sort of the, the sort of, uh, I guess... Mm. The, the instructions of how to make a dish, so to speak. Well, actually, that's not being asked like that before. And that's really interesting because um, it was very different. Um, mm. The thing was, embarking, embarking upon this, I've written many cookery books. I've done many introductions. I've done many things like that. I've written many, many articles, um, you know, 500 words a month for magazines and things, you know, I... And I sort of think, you know, I've written this. I can write a novel. Um, You can do a novel. Um, Totally different. Completely Mm. different. It's a different mindset. It's a different, the whole thing is um, conversation, which I'd never done before. So I got myself a bit of a co-writer in the sense who knew what they were talking about to help me through this story. And it was really important. And because... um, I can't tell you what it's about, but I've involved many people in it in my life um, because I, I'm the sleuth. I've always been fascinated in um, murder mysteries. I know them all. I love Agatha Christie. I love all that. I mean, you know, there's something wrong with me, I think. But <laughs> definitely, um, it, it seemed the whole thing was right. So I decided um, I would start this, but I wanted to bring, I wanted, I wanted to, actually base it on people I knew rather than make up things to begin with because it was much easier for me to rather than having imagination tis fiction it's not an autobiography or any shape or form thank you very much but I had to I had to actually base it on people I knew and places I knew and things like this so my granddaughter called Suki is my assistant and she's 17 and she is in the book 17 and she basically is wild she's edgy she's fun she's different i love her to pieces and i thought she and she adores cooking adores it and it was a natural fit Mm. to have her as my have you read it i haven't but i want to oh my gosh it's a natural fit to have her as my assistant and I'm very strong, I'm very um, very fair, but I'm very firm. I take no nonsense and no prisoners. But she says, oh, grandma, oh, grandma, all this. 
but also uh, when it's important, I really show, you know, you can tell. You can tell by, by my eyes. The characters that you've created, or not, well, no, you've based them yes. on real people. Do the people in your life know yes. that you've based these characters on them? Yes, yes. Okay. Two people know. Sukiya had to ask permission because, okay. as you said, oh my God, she's so cool. But she was very upset because in the book, I take, I take her mobile phone away from her and she gets very upset because I always say to her, you learn far more by looking up than you do looking down. So I'm very firm about that. So anyway, we have a good giggle. But um, then she becomes more and more interested as the book goes on and the murder goes on and she can't, you know, you'll see how it develops. Then there's numbers in the book. Now, numbers is the Martin who's just helped me with my tech. <laughs> He's my assistant who's been <laughs> with me for nine years. Wow. He's fab. He's so, and He's called Martin, but in the book we called him Numbers because he's so into com tech, computers, and he's wonderful, and I love him to pieces, and he's that in the book. So I decided to make that intriguing sort of duo. And the thing is, Suki and Martin are best friends, and I don't, I don't know that, um, you know, that uh, uh, Martin bats on the other side, and I actually don't know that in the book. And, yeah. and Suki says, Grandma, you've got it wrong all the time and I'm not listening to anything. So, of course, and in the end, in the end, I get round numbers. It's terribly funny. He loves it. Absolutely loves it. Oh, I just put my wire in the copy. He loves it. Anyway, he he's so funny. Um, I just adore him. So he let me base the book on him too. So those two people. Now, the other people are more fictional, but... Uh, as you read them, you realise they're of types. So I've taken okay. the types I've sort of met, but not on specific people. So nobody else is specific, except there's a mixture. The person who dies called Deirdre Shaw, she, she drops dead in the rhubarb patch. But the problem is... she. <laughs> it is quite quirky. I love you, Rosemary, and I've only met you for eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it is actually funny well the thing is so she dies in the group up but uh, this niggles prudence so much but you have to understand what it what niggles her so and uh and so when you asked me the question at the beginning about food about how i do rest i always and if, if a flavor isn't right in the book i mean in the recipe i know it's not right so i do something about it it's the same what Prudence does. Prudence Bolstrode, me. What Prudence does, she niggles her that something quite, there's something wrong and she has an instinct for these things. So she always equates it to food. She mm. always equates it. So it's in there because she has an instinct of something is not right. Something is wrong. So she goes through trying to analyze it, trying to divert. It takes a lot, quite a while, but she gets there in the end. And it's a, and a eureka moment. It's a eureka moment. And suddenly everything falls into place. Do you know what I I'm guess. going to do? The... I am going what? to suggest this book for my next book club meetup. Because I, 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 I'm in You're a book joking. club. I'm in a book club with six ladies oh, who are really into food. And they know, obviously, what I, what I do. And I think my yes. turn is coming up next month. So I'm going to do this as my Wonderful. book selection. And I will report oh, back. Oh, thank you. 
<laughs> oh, you must. Thank you so much. I'm going to. So I want to take it back a little bit, Rosemary. I want to yeah. sort of know about your childhood. You were born and raised in London. I want to know what life was like growing yeah. up. Who was cooking? What were you eating? How important was food in your life? Okay, we were. I was brought up in London and um, Cornwall, really. And we moved around quite a lot, but mostly London. And um, cooking was, my mother used to love cooking. Um, but she cooked in such a way that it was, uh, okay, she's so enthusiastic, but because she was, it was the war and how they cooked, uh, it was totally different. And I, I wasn't super keen on that. We mm. lived off tripe and onions mm. and things like that and sweetbreads and things. Don't get me wrong, I love them. But it was just a different way of eating. Very English, very British, very, very British. And I wasn't, um, and when I was a child, I didn't like onions. But the one thing I loved with food as a child was the fact is my, we used to grow all our own vegetables in the country as well. So we grew all our own vegetables. I knew what it was like to pod peas. I knew what it was like to have lovely new potatoes straight from the earth. We were very fortunate um, to have all these things. So I was... I understood what food was about and I loved it. And I remember being as a child so passionate. We had cherry orchards. We had we had oh, wow. a bit of an idyllic situation in terms of um, the countryside. Um, and then we also had London. So it was a sort of combination of stuff really going on. So very, very privileged. Um, on one side, I wasn't privileged because I had a very tough upbringing. Um, you know, I had a mother who was very strict and uh, um, unfairly strict. And uh, so I did, I went into myself quite a lot. So I used to, I used to, uh, people always think, okay, how can I say this? I didn't finish that sentence. But people always say, because I'm, I'm such a sort of, I love people. I love to give. I'm a giver. And I love to make people happy. I love making people happy. And I was, I suppose I was a clown when I was younger. I used mm. to, but actually inwardly, I was quite unhappy. I was, a, I wanted to leave home at 10 years old. That's how strong wow. it was, which I did. I went to, I went to boarding school. So I had a pretty, don't get me wrong. I had a very privileged up, up, upbringing, but there's, there's sweet and there's bitter when you have upbringings and I'm not blaming anybody or my parents. I don't blame anybody, but I learned, I learned to be very grateful for everything I have. I learned to never expect anything. So in fact, in a funny sort of way in life, they did me a bit of a favor. Um, and it's very important to know, uh, just to say thank you and to be appreciative and, um, you know, I mean, things, I don't, there's not a pity me, but our, we used to have to wear our school uniforms in the holidays and things like this. So we were pretty, wow. you know, and, uh, and I'll never forget. Oh, yes, it was a pretty, we had a pretty, um, we lived in beautiful houses, beautiful mm. places. But it, it doesn't mean anything, you know, it's not a, a meaningful situation. So, but, you know, it's. But that sort of changed and, you know, we went there. And even with my first ball gown, I had to earn the money myself to buy for it, pay, pay for it. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, that's like a, for a child, that's quite a big number. Yeah. So I, I did a Saturday job. But I think that um, 
you know, and we, we lived in very grand houses. But for me, it means nothing because mm. it, did me a, it did me a massive favor because I, I never changed. I just was me and accepted what my mother and why she was like she was. And it was only until later on in life I realized that um, she had a slight condition in the sense she couldn't cope. It was like an autistic, not autistic, but it's sort of, um, I think she was slightly on the spectrum, let's put it mm, that way, mm. you know. So I don't think, you wouldn't know, you wouldn't know though, but it's an interesting, because it makes you who you are. It makes you who well, you are. It, listen, I always say, you know, everything that we all go through in our lives in some way is going to just shape us, right? So... You know, uh, I, agree. I mean, it, it, it's it's awful, you know, if people do have incredibly traumatic childhoods and, and I hope that they do manage to find some kind of balance or happiness or whatever it is through it. But I guess what's quite mm. interesting is, you know, to the outside world, you really are this very vivacious, loud, fabulous, you know, you, you come across <laughs> yeah. as an extrovert. And, and it's interesting what you said, because most extroverts mm. I meet actually are quite introverted. I'm very introverted. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But you wouldn't know it. I'm very similar to you because oh, I'm really? very loud. I'm very loud and voice. I remember yeah. my first ever school report. It all, the first sentence says, and I was four years old or something said, Hannah is the very boisterous girl. And I have still been a boisterous girl all the way until 34. But inside, I'm actually incredibly <laughs> <love> introverted. <laughs> yes. Yes, you know? it's very, it's very interesting when that happens. Were you quite insecure? Because I, because oh, of God, the upbringing, yes. I had no confidence, no confidence. So that has had to grow. Whereas you wouldn't know I didn't have any confidence. So that's what happens, isn't it? Yeah. So, but can I tell you the most important thing? You must never blame anybody for how you are, because it's your choice in life to be who you want to be. Now. I think some people are not lucky enough to be able to um, talk about it, but talking is very important. And that's why I'm really into the mental health situation because, you know, it's, um, you know, my mother sent me in a car with two strange men to a hospital once. I mean, just decided to get, you know, get rid of me. And so you can understand it's like, but actually when I think about it, oh my goodness me, it's the most scariest thing under the mm. sun, but mm. it's what she did. I mean, that's those were the times. But um, I think that life is you cannot ever regret and you can't go back, but also you don't blame. And if you don't blame, you find a reason why people are like they are and you understand it. It's like either a handicap or it's something that is not quite right, but it's not their fault. So if you find a situation where you can learn about it, that's the key. That's the key. Never look back, never, re never resent and always try to find a way through it, which I did. Wow. I think this might be Rosemary Schrager for president at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, what? I couldn't agree more, Rosemary. I think, I mean, I've always lived by the fact that, you know, the way that we feel is not, listen, we can all be hurt by words and actions and whatever, yes. but it's how we mm. decide to take it and how we yes. decide to move on from certain things and how we deal with mm. things is always going to be within us. And, and I, and I'm a massive advocate of that. 
Moving slightly away from this though, during my research, and I hope that this research is correct, I discovered some fascinating stories about you. So when you were in London, you were raised near Regent's Park. And is it true that you used to use Harrods as your grocery store? Yes. You are a woman after my own heart, Rosemary. Well, actually, you are. When I, you are what I want to be. When I, when I, when I, when I got married, right, and I, 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 I was still, I was cooking. I wasn't actually. I did interior design, you know, first, and then I, I worked for architects yeah. in the city, as you know, and then um, I left. But I just wanted to cook, 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 cook. That's all I wanted to do. But the thing was, I started doing directors' lunches, but I didn't know about buying food in the only thing i delivery service i knew was harrods so i, I love it harrods and i used to say but i never knew why i never made any money everything was so expensive so anyway oh my god that's brilliant. so then if i went wrong i used to phone claridge's up or the savoy to ask them where am i going wrong i mean it's true totally true that was going to be that was going to be my next bit of information which honestly i think is legendary and actually i think you know what quite sensible if i didn't know a scooby-doo about a certain dish i'd probably go to someone or call someone who who was a little higher up in you know the ranks who would know what they were talking about well you always know they had lobsters you always know they had caviar you always that's yes. <laughs> you always knew not the fact that i get all that stuff but you knew they had everything and if they didn't have it they'd get I it. Love it i love it i love it i love it never change rosemary but also it was no but it was the only place i had an account with well i had an account with liberties i had an account with harrods i had an account with john lewis so i just had my accounts all over the I place love it. so i used my accounts i love it i love it honestly it's brilliant Something that I'm really interested by, and I, and I, and you know, I've spoken to a lot of chefs um, who've come from sort of different ways. So some have obviously been fully trained, some ha- have been self-taught. As a self-taught chef, do you feel or did you feel any prejudice whilst you were in the food industry? Because I, maybe not so much nowadays, but I do think back in the day there was that real sort of them and us when it came to professional chefs. Okay, that's a really good question again. Um, I put myself through an apprenticeship, first of all. When I say, you know, I learned from experts. So I knew once I'd started doing director's lunches, I knew I didn't know enough. I knew I didn't do things properly. I knew there was like a monumental thing to learn. Uh, but I, I knew more than the average person. Now, the answer is once I was in the kitchens, um, people are very, in those days, people were very, very helpful. Okay. It was tough because you had to be a you, you had to be a man in the kitchen. You had to lift. You had to not be a wimp. You had to take things until you came to the chauvinistic chef who was awful, and then he was sabotage. Mm. He totally sabotage your dish. So you probably have to make it every day again because of what they'd done. Um, it, it was a nightmare. There was a nightmare situation, um, which I had in, in one of the big restaurants and and he couldn't stand a woman working there. And I had a bit of a problem with it and he sabotaged my food every single day. It, it was a nightmare. Couldn't do anything about it. 
but you have to live with it and you have to just get through it because at the end of the day you have to get on with it do you know what it's a really hannah it's such a hard life yeah. it's a tough tough life but it's a wonderful life today it's not like it mm. was today it's all much easier softer gentler they don't have as hard a time today but i have to tell you I find if you want to get anywhere, you have to put in the hours, you have to do it as hard. So you almost have to go that extra mile to, to get somewhere with a, in, within the catering business uh, because it is tough. It was harder then, it was harder, but it was, uh, it was very rewarding, but it was, yeah, it was tough. And also you've got to understand, I didn't come from a tough environment. I came from a rather... A sort of middle class, upper middle class, want to bed environment where I wasn't used to all this aggressiveness mm, in the kitchen, mm. and I had to get used to all the swearing, all the things. But actually, uh, get me in a kitchen now. Mm -hmm, I'm one of the boys. <laughs> I'm one Listen, of the boys. Rosemary, you're so, a very lovely this... person, but I wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of you. I know that for sure. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, you, you're only as good as your last meal, exactly, believe me. Exactly, exactly. But what is, important, what, is, what is important is that the thing is that it is a, it's a tough old world out there. And I must say that, but I've been lucky. I think it's because I've been luckier than probably even most because I've sort of, I, I suppose I started a bit later in my life because I've you know, did interior design, I did all that, then I left, then I went and did all the other things. And so it was a bit later. So I was never really a threat to anyone mm. except the occasional chef that didn't like women. And so in the kitchen, that is, because it's a it was such a chauvinistic um, environment to live in. I mean, to work in. Seriously, mm. seriously bad. You, you know, you had to be a tough dude to actually get there. You had to be tough. And so that's it. You know, you know, everybody thought I was a lesbian anyway, so that was fine. So they were cool in the end. So that was it made no difference. I wasn't, but you know what I mean. It made no yeah, difference yeah, yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, because I was such a man in the kitchen. Yeah. But you, but you had to kind of put funny. that hat on, right? You know, it was it's so cutthroat. You you yes. had to, you, there was no room to not yes. be, you know, the top of yes. your game essentially. No. You had a lovely relationship with a certain Pierre Kaufman who has also uh, been on this uh, podcast um and and you so your your friendship has spanned decades what did he teach you yes it has oh my god first of all let me tell you when I went for my interview with Pierre Kaufman number one I was so lucky to get into the restaurant because he had so many CVs every day <laughs> you know he would throw them all in the bin mostly Kept, really? Apart from the occasional yeah. one, I think. Well, I mean, there were so many. He'd read them, but then, no, no, no. Yeah. But then this woman came around. This woman came around and thought, okay, my chefs, I need a woman in the kitchen, I think. And I was a little bit older then. So they're not going to go for this one. And I think people were complaining he needed women, a woman in the kitchen. So I happened to be somewhere at the right moment at the right time. And I had this interview with him and I chose him. Because I, his cooking was like my cooking. That's why I wrote to him and I wanted to work for him. So, because he was my hero. He was my absolute hero. Anyway, I went with my knives and my whites and all this thing. 
And we sat there and I said, you know, I've never had a lesson in my life. I've only learned from books and people. Doesn't matter. Let's see what you can do. I worked, he said, I'm not going to pay you for a week. I worked free of charge for a week. And on the Friday night, he came to me and said, he'd been around all the chefs, the brigade, and said, what do you think of Rosemary? And they all said, she's great. And wow. so he offered me the job there and then. He said, we don't pay much money, but it's for you. And so I had the job. So I, you know, went in there. And it was, do you know what? When you watched Pierre Kaufman cook, it was like watching a ballet. It's mm. like he didn't move. You know, he was such a natural. And to me, and probably he taught me that because I think probably I do that now because it's sort of so used to things. But then it wasn't. He was just my hero. And in the end, it was very funny because he's trying to teach me French. Of course, you must be joking. Um, I wasn't going to be. Uh, and the worst meal he ever gave us, the worst meal, because he always used to feed the staff, was lamb's, lamb's testicles. Oh, my God. They were the most disgusting things in the world. And, and none of us could eat them. I mean, it was like it was revolting. Oh, or maybe gosh. I made that up. I can't remember. But it, it tasted like <laughs> something similar, <laughs> something similar and equally not very nice. You were also taught by um, Jean-Christophe Novelli, another, you know, maestro in the field. Yes. I mean, oh. you know, what was that experience like? Incredible. He begged me to go and work for him and it was so lovely. And when I went and worked for him, he said, he taught me so much about patisserie and all those sort of things. It was amazing. You see, you've got to understand that because I'd learned from books and I'd learned from other people, chefs and going into kitchens. But to me, learning from these really wonderful people. And Jean-Christophe had just arrived in the country, virtually. He'd just been to mm. Chukenden for, for a year. And then he was down with me. So he was a young boy. So I was like his auntie or big sister. So it was lovely. So we've had the best relationship ever oh. since then, since I've worked for him. I had, but boy, was he a house taskmaster. He was almost harder than Pierre Kaufman. I mean, Pierre Kaufman was hard, but he was harder. <laughs> I, when, when I met Pierre, it, for me, it was one of those moments where I just couldn't believe it was happening. And he, and even, he is just yeah. one of the most delightful gentlemen I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting. And his lovely wife, Claire, who is also equally Isn't she fabulous. adorable? Oh, I love her. I want yes. her to be my best friend. Oh, my God. She is the sweetest, the most lovely yeah. person. And yeah. you know what? It's, you know what? He deserves to be happy. But Pierre Kaufman has such a twinkle in his eye. He's got such... He's actually really... He's a very special person. He's quite sexy. Yes. I find him quite a sexy <laughs> man, actually. And he's... Yeah, I shouldn't say that. No, Pierre, if you're watching this, I promise you, chef. No, 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 no. It's not there. <laughs> but, you know, he's got that twinkle. I, I get it. I like see what Do you know what? He has got, he's got he's a got little a bit of swag. He's got something he's about got him. Swag. I know what you mean. I know what yes. you mean. And the thing is, you've either got it or you haven't got it. And he has got it. Yeah, no, he has. But he the has. thing is, he has. But he's such a kind, lovely man. And yeah. he's he's been very supportive. And I'll never forget, on my first book, Castle Cook, the one you didn't mention, you know, the, the, the programme you didn't mention. Yeah. So yeah. Castle Cook, he did, he did my little intro. And he just, and I'd have to, actually, can I, I want to read it to you. Martin, Please. can you pass me my Castle book? And the thing was about him, 
because he knew my situation, uh, because I'd, I'd lost everything with my husband as well. We'd been through the wars. Mm. But he, this castle. And um, basically, you know, it's why I ended up in London. Um, okay, this is, and this is so sweet because he knew my story. He knew my whole, you know, my thing. And he was the gorgeous, gorgeous. Rosemary is a very courageous woman, always striving for perfection. She has an instinctive feel and passion for both finding and respecting the best raw ingredients. I know that Rosemary is one of the very best and that her natural modesty, as well as her relentless search for perfection, are a gift from God. Oh. She also is a great teacher with a tremendous ability to communicate her passion. Her chocolates are a must and her smile it's so heartwarming. Ah! Oh, that's such that a beautiful, the, I, beautiful dedication to you. I tell you, when, when I saw that, it made me cry. Yeah. Mm, it's, it, me it's, cry. A, it's a beautiful because emotional piece. I know. I had to read it to you. I don't normally read dedications, but that that's was beautiful. so personal and special. Oh, yes, that's so, he knew. how lovely of him to do that. And he still says it to me. He still says it, Rosemary. He still says, you know, gosh, he said, I'm so proud of you. Yes. Which Aww. is so adorable. That's I love really him. Lovely. I love him. Yeah, but no, also, he's, he's a genuine he, man. I, I, I have a lot a, of time for him. But, he's, but he is a guru. He is, yeah. the, he is the best in the country. He's a guru. A hundred percent. I think anyway. You keep referring back to the fact that when you were sort of, I guess, training yourself to become a cook you were reading loads of cookbooks you know whatnot could you give me some names of those cookbooks that are sort of are like your holy grail uh, my, well i tell you what i was julia on julia before julia came out right <laughs> i was i was i went through two number ones volume number ones for mastering the art of french cookery julia yeah. Chubb. and and then the second one i had one of those. I've still got them. All the paperbacks, all gone. And that's how I started cooking from there. Wow. Now, the other thing is, I don't know whether you remember this. There was when the when Cuisine Mansour came out and things like this, when um uh all those sort of things, you had Michel Gerard, you had the Trois brothers, the Trois brothers, uh, you had the uh Trois brothers, I would say, Roger Verger. You've got uh, Empire of the Sun, you've got, I mean, Cooking in the Sun. You've got all those books of that particular Raymond, Raymond Block, I mean, the Rue Brothers, you know, all mm. those things. All those books at that time were very, very important. They were classics and they're of a certain era. And it's when food really changed and became something else and went on to a different level, you know, and Nicole Landis, all that love. It's when Nouveau Cuisine, to, with all the Japanese influence that came in through that, which it was, did a lot for our cooking. It transformed us into thinking about presentation. Mm. And then slowly but surely, we started doing it ourselves and devising our own things. So we go through different fads. You know, uh, we have things like, you know, on the plate, putting things there. Then we have the tears, all the tears up. Then you have all the freshness. But now it's all going back to the old cooking, the old ways. So it's a matter of where it is and actually the cooking trends. But I think Nouveau Cuisine at that time for me realized that food can be beautiful and that's what got me. 
apart from wonderful chefs, you know, like the Michel Gerard and all that lot, who mm. looked at food in a totally different way. Cuisine Mansour was his new way of cooking, you know, not using butter and things like this and making it healthy. Uh, Cuisine Gourmand was then putting in all the butter and things like this. So all these different, that was a very, very important time for us chefs. Very important time. So that's really uh, when things really started happening properly, I think, and, uh, and it was all beginning. Now, of course, it's moved on. And you've got all the, you know, you've got all the east-west meets everything. You've got mm-hmm. all these wonderful. When it first started, it didn't quite work on all of them. I tell you, mm-hmm. it didn't. But now we've totally understood the products, the ingredients, the spices. We know what it's all about. Until I went to India, I hadn't realized that spices are treated just like India, just like French, you know, herbs and spices. Yeah. Same yeah. thing. You know, it's all layered up with the flavors. Mm-hmm. And this is really important. So for me, when I did the Marigold on tour, going around, going around the world, you know, to the Far East and things, to find out all about the food and everything, that was so interesting. And Mexico, all the chilies, all the different mm. types of chilies, you know. I mean, to me, it, it's just so wonderful, so wonderful. And we can do them in our own food because food is so available these days. We've got the internet. We've got everything. We can buy anything. So it's coming up with the next thing. So, and also the other thing is, is there's only so many ways to cook, seven ways to cook or whatever as such, you know, braising, frying, roasting, whatever. But it's where you are in the world and what spices you have is what you put with them. That's all it is. Mm. It's learning about the countries and the spices that are there and what tastes best and what is there. And that's, that's the education, I think. Absolutely. So tell me, these days, what are your specialities at home when you're cooking? Ah, okay. I love to use all, I love to use all the local, we've got local farmer, local meats and things. I've got my lovely butchers and things like that. I think I love, I'm a big lamb eater. I love lamb. Anything lamb, I adore. Um, I love casseroles. I'm a big casserole Mm. person. We do a lot of those. I love pies. I love pies. Dare I say, adore pies. Not good for me, but I love pies. I'm actually going to bring out a. I'm going to bring out Rosemary's pies soon. Oh please! Rosemary's I hope pie. you are. Yes, I love that. I am. Oh my gosh! I'll send you some. I am. Please. I'm going to be. Um, yes, I've got a pie testing on Friday, so I'm very excited. Oh, I love pies. Fun. So probably yeah. I love pies. You know, I love all those sort of things. I love hearty food. I'm a carnival. I'm sorry, everybody. But I like the old vegetarian dish too. I have to say, I've just started eating lamb for the first time in my life. I've always had a real love-hate relationship with it. Yeah, and it's funny because I'm half Iranian. So lamb is kind of like the staple meat in Persian cooking. And um, it's and in I your have culture. To say, it's in your I culture. know, I know, I know. I don't know what was wrong with me. Anyway, I've just started eating it, and I have to say, I'm thoroughly enjoying the journey. <laughs> oh, I love it! I absolutely yeah. love it. Lovely, lovely lamb triangles. Those delicious with lamb and sumac and everything else. Oh, oh gosh, isn't it delicious? Oh, it's the best. I know. It's the best. It's the best. I know. I know. On the the total flip side, I really want to ask you about your time on I'm a Celebrity. Ah. Because for us, and I'm I'm referring to you and I who love our food and will never, ever want to go without, 
what on earth was it like to be without food, essentially? Do you know what? It was great. It was great. I think I was the only one not hungry. Really? Oh, yeah. I wasn't hungry. No. No, because I treated like a health farm. I went in there to try and lose weight. <laughs> to be honest with you, Rosemary, if I ever was asked to ever do that or ever had to do something like that, it's exactly what I would do. Yeah, I'd be like, okay, here we go. Finally, it. the last few stone exactly. are going. That's it, exactly. <laughs> so I thought, right, I'm going to lose. I lost over two stone. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. And I, Did you? And I couldn't believe wow. when I got into my bathing costume, I bought these very expensive bathing costumes. I couldn't believe how much I paid because <laughs> it was the only ones I could get into. And the thing was, I had to go into this bath in the middle of the jungle. It's hot water. And I had to go the soap. Wow. And it was just, and I was like one of these sort of metal things that I could, my knees were up and what, what they've done, what Graham <laughs> Norton did, he, he went and put two little faces on my knees in the bath. <laughs> that was so, oh I know, that was so typical. I can't tell you, it was so funny. Anyway, it was such fun. Oh, it was brilliant. such fun. But they complained that I used too much, too much rice when I left. Only because they were hungry and they wanted to, they, I'm blaming them. They said, put more in, put more in. I loved it, <laughs> loved it. Kangaroo tail. Loved it. Loved it. No, not for me, I'm afraid. Crocodile feet. Hated it. No, 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 no. <laughs> what about possum? Possum hated it. Uh, what about mutton oh bird? Mutton bird was actually, I hated that, it was rancid. Um, but no, it was interesting. Oh, God. Uh, so the only thing I liked was the ostrich egg was actually making a great big omelette. That was cool. Oh, love. actually, that's nice. I'm, mm. I'm happy with that. Mm. Mm. I'd eat that. No, I don't think they knew. Uh, I thought how to open an ostrich, an ostrich egg. egg. Do you know how to? How, open, do you, how, know how do you to... open an ostrich egg? Right, you get your ostr ostrich egg, and you hold it in your hand, and you cut the top off. I do. That's how I do it. You can't. It's too big to go like that. So you cut the top off. Okay, ah. just cut it off with a little knife. Go, and then just pour it out. That's how. Yes. That's how I do it. Anyway. Another show that you were a part of quite recently that you wouldn't know, but I basically in at, in Christmas 2020 was suffering from terrible COVID and all I could do was lie in bed and ride, at, ride it all out. And I discovered a show on Netflix called Best Left. Oh, you are oh, wonderful. And can I say something, Rosemary? Far away. That show got me through COVID. I don't Seriously. know how, but it gripped me. And I have to say, brilliant concept, really yeah. clever concept. Yeah. And so the question that I need to ask you is, what is your go-to leftover meal? And are you an advocate for cutting down on food waste? Absolutely. Pilaf. Love pilaf. Oh, my gosh. Anything leftover, make a gorgeous pilaf. Um, Omelettes. Yeah. Splodge pie. Lots of splodge pies I do. Yes. <laughs> What's a anything, pie? Anything sort of left over, you bung into a pie and put pastry over it and bake it in the oven. It's delicious. I also do Perfect. a bomb. I do Love. a beef bomb. So what I do is layer the beef, put in cauliflower cheese, put in this whatever other vegetables, put up a, and then put pastry over the top and push it in and I just cut it like a cake. Oh, it's delicious. I call it a bit oh I call it gosh. a leftover I'm bomb. Have to do that. A leftover bomb. I love that. I yeah, it's great. Love that. It's 
good news. Now you also have your fabulous Rosemary Schrager cookery school, I have which the is for yes. anyone of any level. Yes. Um, and how are we now? Are we picking that up to do it in real life now? I first of all have the cookery club. The cookery club is the first Tuesday of every month, which is very exciting. And you can come on, you can get that, and um, it's really good fun. And you just do an hour's cooking with me. And we send out the recipes and, you know, we do all that, which is lovely. And we also do, we do corporate as well. We'll do anything. We'll do it personally. So anybody in Canada or anywhere like that, Australia, they can do a private corporate with me. We've got all the kits and all the gear, which is great. Then we do also, I know, but also I'm opening in September a professional cookery school for chefs. Fab. Which is very exciting. Uh, outside Maidstone. So if anybody, for adults Amazing. from 18 up, upwards, which is great. Yes, yes, which is really good. So if anybody wanting to learn to cook. Oh, that's so exciting. When you do find yourself out and about, where are some of your favourite restaurants to eat at? Oh, my favourite's closed, which is so awful. Uh, the Ledbury in Ledbury Street, but that's closed now. Um, oh, my gosh. No, it's reopening. Oh, is it reopening? Oh, I love it. It's good. reopening. Yes, I just found out. Oh and my Rosemary, god, that's, my that's round the corner. That's round the corner from where I live. No. Yeah. No, I love it. Well, we should we be for must, lunch. We must go for lunch. I think we need to go yes. to the new Ledbury on Ledbury Road and have lunch together. Yes. I couldn't agree with you more, actually. Absolutely. We will see. But I haven't out. been out. Oh, yes, we must. I haven't been out lately because obviously COVID. Uh, I yes. love, you know, I like going to the uh, Ivy for cocktails. Well, we'll do, we'll do cocktails and then we'll do food because that's the only way to do it. Yes, do everything. You know me. I'm 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 I'm, I'm up for anything at all. <laughs> I just I like I just like to party, Hannah. Oh I like yeah, to party. you're like my spirit animal, Rosemary. You really are. <laughs> okay, so I finish my conversations with a few quick fire questions. So, are you ready? Far away. I'm ready okay. for them. So this podcast is sponsored by Gorillas. If you were stuck at home and you had to order three ingredients to create a delicious meal, what are those three ingredients you're going to order? Basil pesto, pearl, pearl barley, Ooh. lemon. Ooh, yes. Love that answer. Okay, I think we may have already covered this next question, but what is the craziest food you've ever eaten? <laughs> I think it has to be the crocodile leg. Yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. With yeah. the toenails. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, next question. Uh, what has been your most memorable meal? South of France. Paul Roger, lamb with a garlic puree. Oh, gosh. She, you knew exactly yeah. the answer Unbelievable. to that one. That sounds amazing. Oh, my gosh. Yep, wow. I did. Okay. My favorite snack of all time is a packet of crisps. What is your favorite flavor of crisps and why? Ah, I love cheese and onion. Okay. Because I just, I adore cheese and onion. And I also love plain, but no more. Uh, why? Because I love. Flavor. So are we talking like a? Are we talking like a Walker's cheese and onion, or like something more like a kettle chip? Kettle. Okay. Or Walker. I do both. Both. Yeah. Both. But can I give you another <laughs> snack? 
before crisps, yes. there's something else. Peanut butter. Crunchy peanut butter. <laughs> I love peanut butter. I love peanut butter. That goes before anything else. Okay, so what are you having your peanut butter on? Or are you just are you just eating it out of the oh, jar? Oh, I, I, no, I, I either spoon it out of the jar or I'll eat it on apple. Oh, yes. Do you like Marmite? No, I hate Marmite. But do I like... Okay. But because do I, was I gonna like say... twi- Twiglets? Love Twiglets. <laughs> <laughs> do I like Marmite nuts? I lo- do you know love what? Love Marmite nuts. <laughs> I have to say, Twiglets are one of the most underrated snacks in the world. Oh, I love them. Okay, next question. What food sums up happiness for you? Oh, that's interesting. Okay, a cheese souffle. There's something, and also, can I give another one? Rice pudding with the skin on it. Oh, okay. I love rice pudding. Coconut rice pudding. They're, They're two very comforting dishes, I find. Yes, they are, very. That's why I like them. Mm. But I yeah. also love soft, freshly laid, day-old, day-old egg, not first day egg, day-old egg, boiled egg with soldiers. Oh, the best. That's comfort food too. If I was to have okay. my last meal, okay, ask me, what would I have my last meal? What is going to be your final meal? <laughs> A boiled egg and soldiers. <laughs> I love it. Okay, my final question is a very important one. Go live on. to eat or eat to live? Oh, now that's an interesting one. I think probably uh, they've got a combination of both because I think living to eat is really special because my whole thing is about enjoying food and actually having food that's really special. You have to also eat to live. You have. A, I think it's both. I'm going to be in both camps. I'm sorry, because I okay. also live to eat. Because living to eat is really being enjoying what you cook and really having it. So you live to eat, but it's it's really has to be the other way round because you have to eat to live. So, Absolutely. but I'm fu- I'm fussy. So I like to think that it's a little. I'm in the camp. I'm in both camps. Am I allowed that? Okay. All right, it's like sort of. I'll give it to you because it's you, but usually oh. I don't accept that answer. But oh, okay. But you're special, All right. so you're okay. <laughs> okay, I hope not over special. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Oh my God, Rosemary. I knew this was going to be the biggest joy of a conversation, honestly. And that does bring me to the end. And I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. I wish you the best of luck with the new book. I wish you the best of luck with um, the cookery school that's um, and, and what's happening at the end of the year. There we go. She's bringing the book up to the camera. For anyone that's listening to this, she's now showing me the inside of the book. What's going on on the inside? She's trying to find it. To my granddaughter, Suki. Can you see that? Oh, dedicated to her, da- her so granddaughter, I'm, Suki. I'm t- to my granddaughter, Suki. Yes. The next one is That's going beautiful. to be to my... The next one's going to be to my twins, Sir Holly and Lola. Then the next one's going to be my grandson to Freddie. So they all get one. Oh, 
I love that. I love that. I really hope that we can meet in real life at the Ledbury with a lot of cocktails and a lot of food. If you don't follow Rosemary on social media, you can find her at rosemary.schrager. Rosemary, you are a joy. Never change. You're fabulous. Thank you so much. (laughs) And thank you for having me, Hannah. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in. If you love what you hear, please subscribe and review. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Crazy Sexy Food and check out the Crazy Sexy Food YouTube channel. Until next time, bye.